I would like to tell you all that you are all actually cyborgs, but not the cyborgs that you think. You're not RoboCop and you're not Terminator, but you're cyborgs every time you look at a computer screen or use one of your cell phone devices. So what's a good definition for cyborg? Well, a traditional definition is an organism to which exogenous components have been added for the purpose of adapting to new environments. That came from a 1960 paper on space travel. I mean, it's crazy to think of ourselves as cyborgs, but in reality, we are. Because there are more people on the planet with a cell phone than have clean drinking water or electricity, and each one of those devices is an adaptation that we use to operate inside the infinite era. And those devices are opening up doors that didn't even exist a few years ago. We are now an army of cyborgs. We are not what we used to be. And neither are the consumer demands. This is Matthew Sweezy, and you are listening to Episode 7 of the Electronic Propaganda Society, a nine-part series looking into the cause and effects of June 24th, 2009. Up to this point in the series, we have discussed the entrance into a new media era and its effect on marketing, why we must change, and what we must become. Now, it's time to look at the impacts of the infinite era on the consumer so we can better understand the modern consumer mandate. To really jump into the modern consumer mandate, we must do something first, and we must understand that all consumers are affected equally in this new era. And what that means is we must first strip away two old ideas. The first is the idea that age determines somebody's desire for how they engage with a brand, or the better notion that baby boomers and millennials have different wants. Most often when we refer to age, we look at generations to mark those groups, and the terms baby boomers, millennials, Gen Xers, Gen Y often come up. In the past, these groups have acted very differently. Yet in the new media era, they're all changed equally. The major problem most brands have with this notion is that they believe their demographic isn't affected because they were either one, born before technology came about, or two, just so set in their ways they are never going to change. And this line of thinking essentially follows the old logic that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. The issue with that logic is that we're assuming the internet is a trick and it won't rewire the brain of boomers because it was already set. But you see, the internet is not a trick. It's a new world that everyone is adapting to and much faster than you may imagine. You see, Gary Small, he's a professor of psychiatry at UCLA and the director of its Memory and Aging Center. And he studied the brain function of a group of digital savvy and digital naive subjects to see just how quickly we are changing. Now I'm going to turn it over to Small and let him explain the results. Now, uh, this is a study I was uh, teasing you a moment ago, your brain on Google, and what we did, a group of us, we looked for people who had minimal, if any, prior computer experience, middle-aged and older people. They were hard to find. Congratulations, you're the last person on earth to get an email account. They're out there. 
We found them and we matched them up with what we called an, an internet or net savvy group. And we used functional MRI to find out what was going on in their brain while they uh, searched online, at least in a simulated environment. And functional MRI allows us to see where the brain is working from moment to moment. And we took these two groups of people, the savvies and the naives, and we gave them five days of practice. So we had the uh, control of the, uh, the, the savvies continuing, and then we wanted to see if we could train the brains of the naives, and we found that the savvies, baseline and follow-up, there was not much difference. But the naives, after just five days, we started triggering these neural circuits in the frontal part of the brain, suggesting that the brain can train itself very quickly to learn this task. What Small doesn't get into is what they ask these people to do during those five days. And the task was simple. Spend one hour a day on the internet. And what he found is the internet is so pervasive, it changes the human brain in as little as five hours. So sure, those baby boomers didn't grow up with the internet, but that doesn't mean they can't adapt to it or already have adapted to it. And when you see that it only takes five hours to physically rewire the brain, we can now better understand why those old dogs are learning new tricks. And yes, small study is powerful, but it's also corroborated by lots of other research. And according to the State of the Connected Consumer, we found 72% of baby boomers strongly agree new technology keeps them better informed about product choices than ever before. Findings from that study also confirm that while there are differences between millennials and other demographics regarding expectations, actions, channels, and other factors, the delta between how those groups interact is much closer than we've traditionally thought. You see, when we asked millennials and baby boomers a hundred questions, such as, how willing are you to share personal data for better experiences? Or, how does branded communication in the form of rewards affect your brand loyalty? Or, how important is it to be able to do a price comparison from your mobile device? When we ask these questions, there is only a 12% delta between millennials and baby boomers. In short, across the board, the data suggests that if 100% of millennials act a particular way, it's a good bet to assume that 88% of baby boomers do too. And why is that the case? Well, it's simple. Because all demographics are operating in the infinite era. And remember, media environments affect all things. Okay, so if baby boomers and millennials act very similarly, what about the idea of segmenting populations based on their vertical, such as B2C or B2B? See, specifically, it's believed that B2C buyers or business-to-consumer buyers are far more affected by these changes than their business-to-business -business counterparts. But you see, our Salesforce research shows exactly the opposite. In fact, 83% of B2B buyers compared with 75% of B2C buyers feel more informed than ever before because of technology. In fact, across every category, B2B buyers are more affected 
by the new environments than their B2C counterparts. I mean, just listen to these statistics. 82% of B2B buyers believe that technology has made it easier for them to take their business elsewhere. Only 70% of B2C consumers feel the same. 76 of business-to-business -business buyers believe that technology is redefining their behavior as a consumer. Only 61% of consumers feel the same. 77% of business-to-business -business buyers believe technology has significantly changed their expectations of how companies should interact with them. Only 58% of consumers feel the same. And finally, 80% of business-to-business -business buyers expect the brands they purchase from to respond and interact with them in real time. Only 64% of general consumers feel that way. And this continues across every data point that we look at. But what does this really mean? It means another major shift in the thinking for marketers, away from the formal ideas of how consumers act based on their vertical of B2B versus B2C and towards a distinction based on perceived risk associated with the purchase. You see, it has nothing to do with the type of buyer you are, but rather how risky the decision is. And the greater the consideration that is required, the longer the sales cycle will be, not because of the vertical or the buyer type, but because of the risk that's involved with the decision. Now that we understand that everybody pretty much acts the exact same because we all live in the same environment and are affected in the same ways, now let's talk about what this then does for the consumer demands. And to start out, I want to focus on some research and let Tiffany Bova explain. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we found that 80% say the experience a company provides is as important as its products. That's a big statement. And then 67% of them said they'll pay more for a great experience. Yeah. Even, even a better, right? Because you're, you know, many people are like, how do we, how do we win in the price war? And customers are not necessarily saying it needs to be the cheapest or the best price. It's, am I going to get, you know, the best experience um, from this brand? Will they be there for me? And so if that's the reality, yeah, I mean, that's the opportunity. The reality is that you know, some 50% have stopped buying from a company because a competitor provided a better experience. So mm -hmm. even the experience is winning on switching. And then, unfortunately, 50% of customers say that most companies fall short of the experience expectations. So the, the reality of what customers actually feel from a brand versus what the brand thinks they're delivering yeah. is That's Tiffany Bova, current colleague of mine and former Gartner analyst and she's sharing some new research that we found in 2018. And I want to be very clear, when we want to see the new consumer mandate, it has to start and end with the word experience. That is what consumers are buying, and that is what we must focus on. When we start to break down this consumer mandate for experience, the first thing we find is that the experience needs to be real-time and frictionless. In 2018, we surveyed 7,000 buyers running the range of both consumer and business buyers. And what we found was they demand instant and on-demand engagement. In fact, 73% of business buyers demanded that compared to only 63% of consumers. 
And this idea of instant really gets into the notion of frictionless. Because if we put anything in the way between the experience and the consumer, they're likely to go somewhere else. Remember, the average number of page views per visitor session is only 1.7. They must find exactly what they want without any friction in between. And when we talk about frictionless, we've already talked about the power of artificial intelligence to be embedded into the website to help those frictionless experiences happen online. But see, that's not the only place the consumers demand frictionless experiences. Just listen to this. Four years ago, we started to wonder, what would shopping look like if you could walk into a store, grab what you want, and just go? What if we could weave the most advanced machine learning, computer vision, and AI into the very fabric of a store so you never have to wait in line? No lines, no checkouts, no registers. Welcome to Amazon Go. Use the Amazon Go app to enter. Then put away your phone and start shopping. It's really that simple. Take whatever you like. Anything you pick up. Now that's a clip about Amazon's Go. And in case you've not heard, Amazon is taking retail offline and putting it back to brick and mortar. They plan to open over 3,000 of these cashierless stores by 2021. The big thing to watch here is it's a 100% frictionless retail experience. Frictionless experiences will become the norm in just a few years. Now, real-time and frictionless is only a part. The experience must also be more. It has to also be authentic. And remember Joseph Pine from earlier. So authenticity is becoming the new consumer sensibility. Let me summarize it for the business people in the audience with three rules, three basic rules. One, don't say you're authentic unless you really are authentic. <laughs> Two, it's easier to be authentic if you don't say you're authentic. And three, if you say you're authentic, you better be authentic. And then for the consumers, for everyone else in the audience, let me simply summarize it by saying increasingly, what, we, what will make us happy is spending our time and our money satisfying the desire for authenticity. And you see, this isn't just Joseph Pine's idea. There is lots of research to back up this notion. In fact, one recent study found 80% of consumers cited authenticity of content as a driving factor in whether they will follow a brand or not. Remember, in the world of infinite content, it's not just that you have content available, it has to do more because the competition is greater. Authenticity is one of those factors that consumers look at. I mean, just go back to the Pepsi example from the last episode. And you see, this is where a lot of brands go wrong. They don't understand really what it takes to create authentic experiences. And authenticity can easily be reached by allowing your employees to just simply be less corporate and be more of themselves, like this example from Southwest. 
It's been a long day for me. To properly fasten your seatbelt, slide the flat end of the buckle. To release, lift up on the buckle. Position your seatbelt tight and lower across your hips like my grandmother wears her support bra. If you get mad and you want to take your toys and go home, there's eight ways to get there. Two forward exit doors, two wing window exits, two rear exit doors, signs overhead, disco lights on the floor. I mean, it's a phenomenal thing to listen to, and it's an amazing experience if you are on that plane. It is highly authentic. And you see, Southwest allows its flight attendants to give these animated demonstrations and add their own personality because it's a part of their authentic brand, right? Their director of air operation assurance at Southwest says, as long as all of the safety and regulatory requirements are met, our flight attendants are encouraged to make onboard safety briefings engaging through the use of humor, song, or other individual twists. And I mean, several of these videos have gone completely viral. In fact, the one that you just heard reached over 24 million views. And Southwest isn't having to tell people that flying their airlines is going to be a good experience. It's evident from things like this. So far, we've talked about the consumer mandates for experience being real-time, frictionless, authentic, but there's one more. The experience also must be personal. 84% of consumers say being treated like a person, not a number, is very important to winning their business. And personal is much more than just personalizing a mass message. And Oreo has recently been doing an amazing job at creating personal experiences on social media, like this one. Um, it's a good question. Uh, my Oreo creation would be Kiwi banana, blueberry pancakes, an intergalactic Oreo cookie, or maybe pineapple and marshmallow, chocolate mousse stuffed with fresh raspberry. That's how Oreo kicked off the My Oreo Creation campaign, a contest where they get their fans to submit the craziest flavor ideas they can. And when within one month of them opening the contest, they had already received over 150,000 suggestions. Each one received personal engagement and response. Oreo, the brand, either liked the comment or they shared the suggestion. And sometimes they even went as far as making up that dream cookie and sending it directly to the person. The result? When the new flavor hit the shelves, it was a mega hit. They didn't have to tell their audience why they needed to try the new flavor. They just needed to tell them where and when it was available because they had built it with their audience and had done so in a highly personal way. When we entered the infinite era on June 24, 2009, the world shifted and all aspects of the world became attuned to the needs of the individual. This focus has only increased as we've moved further into the new space. With the power in the hands of the consumer, it has completely changed the notion of the idea of B2B or B2C. Now, B2B buyers are more finicky than B2C buyers. And the terms that we used to use no longer apply because consumers are all affected the same. They all desire experiences and on the same level. And remember, the experience is just as important as the product or service that you are selling.
experiences are complex and they are contextual to the situation, but all experiences must be these key things. It must be authentic, it must be personal, it must be real time, and it must be frictionless. That is the new consumer mandate we must abide by. The new consumer is a cyborg, and they have to be to be able to operate in the infinite era. We must realize the impacts that this also has on the individuals that we are selling to. The new era also means a new consumer. Now, I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode. And in episode eight, we're going to dive headfirst into a new idea of production. Because the new era doesn't just require a new idea of marketing, it also requires new ideas and how we make that marketing. <laughs>